Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're having a chat with someone, everything's going really well, and then they finish your sentence, but take the conversation in a direction different to where you were going? Happened to me last week. In a conversation with someone, we're chatting, I was about to say something, and they finished my sentence and I went, whoa, hang on a sec, but, but I wasn't going to say that. And if I didn't correct them, we would have walked away thinking that I said something that I actually didn't say. And I found myself in that moment saying, hang on a sec, don't put words in my mouth. Wow. We do this with God frequently. And that's the point of this series. Often when we're trying to do our best and trying to help people along, we might say, well, as the Bible says or as God says and follow it up with something that he didn't actually say. And in that moment, I feel God saying, hang on a sec, don't put words in my mouth. Because when we do that, and it might be well-meaning words, but when we do that, we can actually create more confusion than help. We can actually add to someone's pain by creating confusion than by decreasing their pain whilst we're trying to bring truth. And so... This, the premise of this series, but God didn't say that, is that sometimes we actually misrepresent the heart of God in what we say. And if we take that on board and build it into the foundation of our lives, we're building on something which actually isn't true. It isn't good. And sometimes, just sometimes we end up in a place where we get into a crisis because we've got a foundation that actually isn't right. Kath kicked off this series last week. Who enjoyed Kath's message last week? I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. But God didn't say that he won't give you more than you can handle. He does give us more than we can handle because he wants us to rely on him. You know what, if you missed last week's sermon, or again, it's even a sermon to listen to frequently. When you're hitting a tough time, that's a staple sermon right there to go back to. You'll find it on our app, you'll find it on podcast. Make sure that you have that ready to go. One thing that I know is that sometimes when you hit a crisis and everything's up in the air, you don't quite know where you've left stuff. Save that message somewhere really close handy so that when you're in that crisis or heading towards that crisis, that it's right there and available and ready to go. Today, we're going to talk about, but God didn't say that good people go to heaven. 
Ooh. Ooh. Why do, we, why do we feel like we need to touch on this? Well, because to be honest, it's a common belief. If you want to go out into a cafe after church today and you ask a random person, hey, how do you get to heaven? Apart from the fact that if you ask a random person, they might look at you really weird. But if you ask people on the street, hey, how do you get to heaven? The most common answer is going to be, well, you need to be a good person. You need to help little old ladies across the street. You need to make sure that you don't lie, that you're trying to do the best you can. Good people going to heaven is a common misconception in today's society. I was actually doing a little bit of research and uh, there's a number of groups, particularly American studies, but I was looking at one study in particular, it was done by the Barna Group back in 2018. And one of the things that they said was that two-thirds of Americans believe that everyone goes to heaven eventually. Think about that for a moment. Two-thirds of people go to heaven eventually. I've got to be honest, I don't know how that works. The kicker is the word eventually, right? If they said two-thirds go to heaven, I'd be going, okay, what two-thirds are they? Where did they come from? How, what's the criteria for that? But the kicker is the word eventually. So, so how do you get there eventually? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Unfortunately, I hear some very well-meaning Christians say good people go to heaven particularly around when someone's experienced death and grief and loss. And we're trying at the best we can to offer some hope. And we can come out with in that moment something that ultimately isn't helpful when we say that good people go to heaven. Why? Because in that moment, we assume the position of God. It's God's role to work that out, not mine. And we can't assume God, God's position in that. And as I said before, it can create confusion. Why? Because good people going to heaven actually falls apart really quickly when you start to look at it. You see, the problem, or one, the biggest problem with good people going to heaven is that there's actually no standard for good. I don't know what happens in your household, but in my household on a Saturday, Saturday morning is cleaning day. We get the washing on, dishwashers on, the three kids have got their jobs, they start in their rooms, they move out into the living areas, they vacuum through, they vacuum their hallways. And when I hear that the vacuum cleaner has stopped, I go up to my children and say, hey, everything done? Yep, everything's done. All good. So I walk into my youngest's room and go, good? I tripped over as I was walking in and you've told me you've already vacuumed. How 
How's that good? I walk up the hallway. You've, you've, you've vacuumed this hallway. Yeah, absolutely. So why is there dog fur right there? But it's all good. Then it gets worse. Because I go up to my wife and say, right, I've spoken to the children. We've got this sorted. We're good. And my wife goes and looks. We're still not good. You see, the problem is, is that there actually is no standard for good. And that's just in my household. Let's go further. I find it amazing that we have an organisation called the United Nations. Because there is no united about anything that happens within that space. There is no universally accepted thing that is wrong across every nation. Now, you might be sitting there going, oh, Ashley, don't be stupid. Of course, murder is wrong. Murder is wrong all the time, right? And yet we find that in some nations of the world, people are happy to strap a vest full of explosives on themselves. There's no universally accepted standard of good. Oh, but what about children, looking after children? You know, little babies, they're so cute. Surely that's a universal standard. No. In some countries, you can abandon the children. Just leave them anywhere you like. There actually is no universal standard for good across the world. But it actually gets worse than that. There's actually no scoring system for good. So, I really want to do good, so I'm going to find some of the young at heart people who are here today, and I'm going to walk them out to their car. Good! <laughs> Try that with Keith Rainbow, and you'll be told, don't need help. <laughs> so, Betty. Where's Betty? There she is. Hey, Betty. I know you're going to love me a little bit more today just because I mentioned your name. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so I helped Betty out to our car, her car. How many points is that worth? How good is it? How good is it? Ten points, really? How did you get to that figure? If I lie, how many points come off? If I have to hip and shoulder someone out of the way so I can get to Betty first, do I lose more points than I gain or do I gain more points than I lose? <laughs> you see, the problem is, is that we have no scoring system for good. Almost sounds like a Netflix series, right? Let's, let's not go there. How about, what's the scoring system for not doing something? What? God, these children were really ticking me off today. And yet I didn't kill them. How many points is that worth? 
I didn't do something, so I get points, really? Is, is that how it works? So not only can we not score it, not only is there no system, but we don't even know what a pass mark is. Good people go to heaven. Awesome. Based on what exactly? Okay, so let's, let's work out a scale here. Let's say over here we have the worst person that we can think of. Someone like an Adolf Hitler. Someone like a Stalin. Murdered lots of people. Mass genocide. So we put Hitler over here. And over here we put the best person that we can think of. Betty. Let's... Let, let's put Betty here. Let's, let's, go, let's go Mother Teresa. Mother, Mother Teresa. Someone who devoted her life to orphans, devoted her life to lepers, devoted her life to the, the poorest of the poor in India. Where do we put ourselves on this scale? Well, I don't want to be down this end, but I'm not that good. So maybe, maybe I'll just put myself here. Cool, cool. Where do I put Tony? <laughs> Pay rise. Pay rise. Pay rise. That would be good, right? Cool. Where do I put Luke Jackson? Paul O'Neill? By whose authority am I placing any of these people? By what standard am I placing any of these people? Even if I place everyone in order, where's the pass mark? Is the pass mark 51%? Or is the pass mark more like 70 or 80? Does this thing roll out like an ATAR? Maybe there are levels in heaven. And maybe the top 5% get to have the big mansions and all the gold and... And the people who are a bit further down this way get a shack. <laughs> you see, the problem is with good people going to heaven is that we've got no way of referencing what good actually even is. And the one thing that I know about human nature, regardless of where the pass mark is, I'm always just this side of it. But there's no way that we can actually even measure it. And so what we do is that we go, okay, cool. I don't know what good is, so let's water it down a little bit and let's make it about sincere people. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere about it and believe it to the best of your ability. 
The problem, of course, is, is that people can be very, very sincere and yet very, very wrong all at the same time. Let me take you back to February, March this year. Everyone was very sincere that the crows and the power were going to be right up there this year. And yet here we are in September and they are nowhere. Some people were very, very sincere, but they were very, very sincerely wrong. Sincerity has to bow to truth at some point. You know, that same Barna study that I referenced just before said that 56% of Americans total and 64% of millennials said that they didn't feel that any one religious text has the monopoly on truth, but they are all different expressions of the same spiritual message. 64% of millennials thought that, to paraphrase, all religions are like climbing the same mountain, but on different paths. I don't know about you, but it just logically doesn't make sense. Some religions say there's one God. Some religions say there are many gods. Some religions say there are no gods. Some religions say we become gods. There's no way that all of that can be true. There's no way that that can be the different paths up the same mountain. The differences are irreconcilable. I can believe that all religions contain some truth because God wants to be found. But not all religions are equal in that sense. So if it's not about good people and it's not about sincere people, we, take, we water it down a step further and we say, oh, my God is all loving and would let everyone in. And at which point you've, got to, you've just got to ask the question, based on what? My God. Oh, so is your God different to my God? How does that work? God is all loving and lets everyone in? Really? That doesn't make sense to me. It seems to be religious, wishful thinking at best. And so, we come to this place where good isn't a standard. Good people don't get to heaven. And got to be honest with you, personally, I've got to be really glad about that. Because, let me confess something to you. I'm not good. I'm not good. And neither are you. And in actual fact, no one is good. None. Really? None. In Matthew 19, verses 16 to 17, a rich young ruler came up to Jesus. And he said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus turned to him and said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. And that is God. Can I just put a caveat on this right now? 
Jesus was God in the flesh here on earth. And so if someone came up to Jesus and said, hey, good teacher, it's actually truth. He is good. And yet for our sake, the scripture records that no one is good. Because if Jesus let that go, me in my sinful, prideful state would identify with Jesus and infer that I'm good. But Jesus took that statement and said, hang on a sec. No one is good but God. Come on, Ash, that sounds a bit harsh. Have you met my nana? She's about this tall, wears an apron, bakes cookies. She's lovely. Surely she's good. Sorry. Nana's not good. She might be lovely. She might bake your cookies. But if you look into her past far enough, you'll find something that's not good. Oh, but what about my mate? He's got such a good heart. Really? Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who has a good heart? No one. We're all in the same boat together. Really? Well, how about, how about the Bible, Ashley? What about the Bible? Isn't the Bible full of good people doing good things and teaching us how to be good? No! The Bible is full of is one good person, Jesus Christ himself, one. And everyone else was so bad that they killed him for being good. Oh, well, what about the heroes of our faith? What about Abraham, the father of our faith? Wasn't he good? Abraham allowed his wife to be taken into another ruler's harem twice. Now, can we just agree? Surely that's two times too many. If someone came on t- up to me, meeting them for the first time and said, hey, look, really love the church, love what you're doing here. We want to join. We want to get involved. How do I get onto leadership? P.S. Uh, I let my wife do this a couple of times. Hang on a minute. Is that our standard? What about Moses. Moses led the Israelites out through the Red Sea, got them out of Egypt, the plagues. Surely Moses was good. Moses had an anger issue. He killed someone with his bare hands. What about David? This mighty warrior killed Goliath, king. Yeah. But slept with his best friend's wife and then had him killed in a battle. See, goodness isn't our standard here. And I'm so grateful that goodness isn't our standard. Because the problem is, is that when we talk about good, we talk about something being mostly good. When God talks about something being good, it's good in every part, all the time. I drive an older car. And part of driving an older car is that I need to check the oil once in a while. The other week, I was on my way home from church, from work, 
And I realized I hadn't checked it for a little while. So that's cool. I got home and I checked the oil. Now, the first thought that went through my head was, you know what? I should change my clothes. Put on some old clothes just in case something goes wrong. I dismissed that thought very quickly, going, hey, I'm good enough to get this done without the issue. I'm good enough. I won't get any oil on my shirt. Yeah. Can I point something out to you? Maybe... Maybe a little bit obvious. <laughs> Clearly, I wasn't good enough. Can I point something else out to you? This shirt is mostly good. There is no oil here. <laughs> there is no oil here. There's no oil here. This shirt is mostly good and yet ruined at the same time. This shirt is like my life with the sin that attaches to it. It doesn't matter how good it is that I am trying to be. My sin ruins me. It doesn't actually even matter how much oil is on the shirt. If this shirt was entirely covered, it would be ruined. If this shirt had a little bit, it would be ruined. The problem is that it has any. And it's no longer good. Come back to our scale. Remember how we talked about putting Hitler at one end, Mother Teresa up the other. Do you know what that scale really looks like when we bring God into the equation? You see, way, 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 way down here, we've got Adolf Hitler. And literally right next door, we have Mother Teresa. And then way over here, we still don't have God. I can go out to Main North Road and I still don't have God. I can go kilometres away. I still don't have God. And we argue over millimetres when God is kilometres away from us. Let's not kid ourselves today. So if God... Sorry, let me take that back. If good people don't go to heaven, there's got to be a different criteria. We look at the criteria as good and bad. We look at the criteria as right and wrong. God looks at the criteria as righteous and unrighteous. In Romans 3 verse 10, the Apostle Paul, who's quoting the prophet Isaiah, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. 
hang on a sec. First of all, I come to church. I'm having a good time. And then you tell me I'm not good. And then you turn around and tell me that I'm not even righteous as well. Yes. Why? Because that's where Jesus steps into this picture. You see, it's not righteousness that I can deal with. It's only righteousness that He can bring into my life. You see, Jesus makes us righteous. How does He do that? Well, you see, God is holy. He's sacred. He's pure. He's sanctified. Sin cannot exist in His presence. My sin-stained life can't exist where God is. God is just, which means that He is fair for every party concerned. Do you know what? Some of my sin-stained life has hurt other people. It's hurt me. It's hurt God. And God's justice has to be done. He can't just push it to one side. But through his love, through his mercy, through his compassion, Jesus Christ came. So that he on that cross, when he died for us, could make a divine exchange for my life. You see, Jesus took on my imperfection to give me his perfection. He took my ruined life for his perfect life. He took my poor standing with God and gave me a righteous standing with God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Is Brandon doing a good job? Thanks, Brandon. Isaiah 61.10 says that he clothes me in righteousness. My sin-stained life gets covered by the righteousness of God. I was watching you today as I walked up on stage with a sin-stained shirt. Some of you were looking at me really weird. but not willing to say anything. Some actually came up to me going, oh my goodness, what can I get you? How can I help? Can't help. Only Jesus can help my sin-stained life. He clothes me in His righteousness. It's not my righteousness. I don't own the jacket. Jesus put it on me. Jesus gave me His righteousness to cover my sin-stained life. Hang on a sec, Ash. Isn't that a bit narrow-minded? You saying that only Jesus can do this for you? Isn't, isn't that like, you know, it, it seems too restrictive. 
The iPhone 11 was launched this week. For those of you who want to spend lots of money, you can get a new camera and a slightly faster phone. Where do you get an iPhone from? You can only get it from its source. You can only actually buy an iPhone through Apple. Well, isn't that narrow-minded? That you can only get it from one place? No. They made it. Only they have it. If you want it, you've got to deal with them. The righteousness of Jesus, only Jesus has it. Because no one else has done what Jesus has done for me. And if I want his righteousness, I can only go to him. But Ash, I don't buy an iPhone from Apple. I buy it from Telstra or JB Hi-Fi or any other number of different places. Yes, you do. They are all authorised distributors. How do we get to the righteousness of Jesus? Through the authorised distributors. Who are the authorised distributors? Every single Christian in this place is an authorised distributor for the righteousness of God. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. I have the righteousness of God because I've been reconciled. And yet the verse goes on. Through, uh, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Every single Christian is an authorised distributor of the righteousness of Jesus. It's our job to help people to find Him so that they can be clothed in His righteousness. As the band comes, we've been looking today at the fact that no one is good. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus makes me righteous. And finally today, I want to talk about the fact that all paths lead to God. What? All paths lead to God. That almost sounds like that should be a different preach in this series. But God didn't say that. He actually did. God said that all paths lead to him. Hebrews 9, verse 27 to 28. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting on him. You know, this judgment is described in Revelation 20. Once our time here is on earth is finished, every single one of us is going to stand before God. All paths lead to God, but not all paths lead to heaven. Every single one of us will have to stand before God. Revelations 20 says the books will be open. The books of everything that I did in my life, all the words that I said, 
all the deeds that I did and I didn't do are going to be there. And I'm going to stand before God and all of that is going to be brought out into the light. As I stand there in that moment, everything I've done is on display. As I stand there in that moment, the biggest thing, the the thing that matters most is how I'm dressed. Am I going to stand before God dressed in the righteousness of Jesus? Or am I going to stand before God in my sin-stained shirt and try to explain it away? For all of those who stand before God robed in His righteousness, we're going to be welcomed home. We're going to find ourselves in the very presence of Jesus where there'll be no more sickness, no more tears, no more suffering of any form. And it's purely 100% based on am I dressed in the robes of Jesus' righteousness? You see, good people don't go to heaven. Righteous people go to heaven. And it would be wrong of me this morning not to give people the opportunity to become righteous this morning. How do we do that? We accept what Jesus did for us on that cross. We invite him into our lives and we ask him to clothe us with his righteousness. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.